Good morning again, church. All right. It's great to see you today and all the Thanksgiving baskets that we're able to help with. Uh, We had a great Wednesday night putting all sorts of things in there and taking care of that for some 50 different families that we're going to be able to help this year, all because of your generosity. And I just personally want to thank you. I know Stan will probably say something in the end, but I want to thank you as well. Having a thankful heart is what we're going to talk about today, and talking about a heart since it's this Thanksgiving uh, week, if you will. And uh, But yet, remember last week when we ended the service, uh, someone came and asked us to pray for a, a little five-month-old, uh, Brianna. And, um, Brenna. And uh, I asked you and all of us to join and pray for her. She's in a hospital and she wasn't doing well at all. And so I just want to give you a report on that because I want you to know how prayer does work. This is little Brenna, and she got to go home on Thursday with her mom and dad and give God glory and praise. When, when I, I, I actually, I was hunting when I received this text, and all I could say was, praise God. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Just look at those eyes. Just look at the joy there. Remember I asked you about if it was your child or if your grandbaby. You'd want others to pray. And thank you for praying. And thank you, God, for listening and answering our prayer. We're giving glory and praise. Amen? Amen. Give him a round of applause. Go ahead and do that. All righty. You know, at the Thanksgiving luncheon, little Junior, Junior gorged himself. It's one of my favorites. I've told it many times, but if you've heard it before, you need to hear it again. Little Junior gorged himself with all the favorite foods because he just loved them all that was on the table. Anybody do that at Thanksgiving luncheon? And so he just gorges himself. He can't eat another bite. Anybody been there before? But yet, something up here tells you, I want some more, right? But he couldn't eat anymore, and so he just goes and lays down like most of us do, and he's taking it kind of easy. And about four or five hours later, of course, it's dinner time. And all the fixings are back on the table, all the ones that he really loved. But he just couldn't really eat another bite, but they looked so good. Anybody been there and done that? So he thought for a moment, and even though he wasn't hungry and he was still stuffed, he asked his mommy if he could lead the prayer. And she said, why, sure, son, thank you so much. And they all bowed their head, and he said, dear God, stretch me. (laughs) Sometimes we need that in life. Uh, Some of you will be saying that Thursday afternoon, I'm sure. Here's another one I like. Uh, This is for all you green people out there. A man and his wife on a strict diet now. They're on a strict diet just before Thanksgiving. Not a really good idea. But nonetheless, they sat down to the table for a meatless Thanksgiving meal. That's got to be an oxymoron, isn't it? But they sit down to a Thanksgiving meal, a meatless Thanksgiving meal, I should say, all steamed and all green. He looked at it, and before he said anything else, he told his wife, he said, you say the blessing, honey, because if I pray, God will know I'm lying. (laughs) I like turkey. You can have the green, so I'm on turkey. Thanksgiving Day is a wonderful time of the year, of course, for all of us. I'm sure you have great memories of maybe your past and all the events and things that take place during that. But it's also a time in which we reflect. And this is a a changing time of the season. Thanksgiving allows us to begin to change. You start seeing change. You start seeing change in people with these different hearts and different mindsets. And 
and their attitudes and all of that. And normally that changes about Friday morning, you know what I'm saying? It changes on that, uh, you know, that, that freaky Friday, I call it. But nonetheless, it is there. And God has blessed us in America. We live in the greatest country in the world. You could have been born anywhere. But God said, I want you born here during this time. We have such freedoms that we have that we, I know we all take for granted. We say that, but yet we just move on real quickly. But we are to be thankful how God has blessed our country and how God has truly blessed us as his people. Give me an amen. So here we are, and it's marked on the calendar for most, and all of us uh, love it until maybe again on uh, Friday and we step on the scales. But however, each of us as Christians, we are to be thankful as God tells us to be thankful. In fact, one scripture, and I found that Stan was going to use this at the end of his service today, and we didn't rehearse that, but nonetheless, here goes anyway. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your Christ for you in Christ Jesus. And in that, I would just simply say it's to rejoice always. We're to find something to rejoice about. If you can't think of one other thing, if your day is that lousy, you can rejoice that you are God's child. Give me an amen. And we're to pray continually. Pray for those that use us or despitefully use us, those that are mean to us. Man, those are the hard ones to pray for. But that's something to pray about and pray for. And pray for each other and lift each other up in prayer. God tells us to do that. And then he tells us, in all these things, be thankful. Just be thankful in what you're doing in life. No matter what level you're at in life. When I was a kid growing up, until I met my wife Donna, I thought our family was poor. And then I discovered what really poor was. But I know how much God blessed us. And I'm so thankful that he's blessed us with each other. And in that process, of, you know, my mom always said when we were growing up, I remember the bales of the straw that we would put around our house in the wintertime in Michigan, just put around the, the foundation of the house. It was a block house, and we put those bales of hay around just so the cold air wouldn't go in there. But I remember my mother would always say, she would say, Son, we may be poorer than some, but not poor as anyone else, and some. But nonetheless, we're going to be clean and we're going to share what God has blessed us with. And I'm telling you, my mom could take a chicken and feed 25 people with it. And it was plainly left over. She was able to do that is because she, she believed that with her heart. To share and to be thankful for what we have and share with others. That's a godly thing. In Ephesians chapter 5, another verse to back that up. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. So what are you thankful for? If we were to go around the room and we were to ask that question, what is it that you would say that you are thankful for the most? Do you have a top ten list of things that you are thankful for? Are you looking to complain about something today or are you looking to thank God for something today? It's really your choice. When you get up in the morning, you have a choice. You can say, thank God for today, or you can simply say, oh no, another day. God's given us these choices. I don't know about you, but everything and everything, that's pretty hard to do sometimes. I mean, I'm trying, and I, do, I find myself doing a little bit better, and sometimes I fail at that, but I try to, in all things, give thanks, but sometimes it's pretty tough, and I think God knows that we're human, and He knows it is tough, 
even though we are blessed beyond measure. Just the blessing of being able to worship here today and the freedoms that we have in this great country. Just to be thankful for the freedom that we have in America. Wow. Max Lucado tells about living in Brazil. He, he had been there several times, but here and now he was there to actually teach at a university. And he tells of a story of one day when he was walking along the street headed to the university. He walked everywhere he went. And, and there, there on the street, he, a little boy tugged at his pant leg. And as he turned around, this little five or six-year-old boy is standing there. Bread, sir? Bread, sir? It's very common because they were beggars on the street. So little boys were everywhere. He said, normally I would just fluff it off. But some way, some reason that day, he said, I just looked into these big brown eyes and just was taken by him and took him by the hand and we walked into the coffee shop. We went to the pastry area and he said to the lady behind the counter, just give the little boy what he wants. And he said, I just went on my way down to the other end and ordered some coffee. He said, thinking that the little boy would get his pastry and leave because that's normally what they would always do. And he said, but a few minutes later, as he was standing in line, he felt as though someone was staring at him. And he turned around, and he didn't see anybody, but he looked down, and there he was, the little boy, pastry in hand, looked up at him and simply said, thank you. Thank you so much, sir. And then went on his way. Lakato said, you know, that day I could have probably bought the boy the whole store just because of his grateful heart. He said, so the next 30 minutes, he said, I sat at the coffee table there at the shop, or the coffee shop, and he said, I was late for class, but I really didn't care. He said, all I could think of was all the ones that never said thank you, but the one that did say thank you. It reminds me of a scripture it reminds me of Luke chapter 17. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One. One of them when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give me praise, praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go your faith has made you well. Nine out of ten unthankful hearts. Unthankful hearts for the one that gave them what no one else could. In all of this, which one would we be? Would we be one of the nine or would we be the one? Oh, if we tell the story, we're going to be the one. I'm going to be the one that's going to come back. But notice, only one out of ten came back and thanked him. I want to be that one, but to tell you the truth, sometimes I find myself in the nine more than I'm in the one. I want to be, I desire to be. Sometimes I do better than others, other times, but sometimes I fail to do that. 
to be thankful. Just to be thankful for something. For surely something I can find to be thankful for. Although some might say, I really don't have a lot to be thankful for. I do, but I don't, if you know what I mean. Ever hear anybody say that? I do, but I don't, but if you know what I mean. And you know the truth is, I do know what you mean. I have so much to be thankful for, but I don't either. But I do, too. But I don't. Someone's saying even today as we speak, perhaps you lost a job. Or maybe you had to take a cut. Maybe it is that your marriage is a little shaky, if you are honest. Maybe it is that your kids, they're just kids. They're strained. Maybe it is that your parents are aging. Maybe have some sickness going on. As we get older, we get aches and pains. Or maybe you're like me and your parents aren't even here any longer. And it's just not the same. I mean, Christmas is just around the corner. It's just a few weeks away, but you don't understand. It's not going to be the same without them. It's not going to be the same because of. And I understand. And many in this room understand that as well. I believe that God wants you to remember, all of us, to remember a few things. So that when we leave this place, you won't feel so bad about yourself. But you'll be, feel lifted up. That you'll be encouraged. Oh, I could, t- I could stand up here and get you really discouraged. And before you left, you're like, oh, golly. <laughs> but, but I'd rather get on the side of Jesus. I'd rather be the one that reflects Christ rather than the one that reflects the world. Because there's a world out there screaming at you. It's bad. It's ugly. It ought to be like this. It ought to be like that. So if you listen long enough to the world, you'll get up every morning and forget to thank God that He gave you today. Just today. So I'm going to give you some things. I'm going to give you three things today. I'm going to stay on target here. I'm going to give you three things today if we can. And they're elementary. There's no doubt they're elementary. But you know what? I need elementary over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but I need it over and over again. And they say, oh, let's move on, let's move on. Well, I need elementary in my life. I use 2 plus 2 much more than I use 3,952 divided by 7.5 times C squared. How about you? But sometimes I have to run. The 2 plus 2 in my mind is 4. Anybody do that besides me? Yeah. So here we go. They're very simple, very elementary, but very important. It's nothing new, but we need to be reminded. First of all, I would say I am thankful every day that God knows me. Give me an amen. Amen. Every day when you get up and you look in that mirror, you can simply say as you're fixing your hair or brushing your teeth or ladies putting the makeup on, you should be able to say, God, I am thankful that you know me. You know me. God knows you. He knows your ups. He knows your downs. He knows your ins. He knows your outs. He knows you're happy. He knows you're sad. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrow. He knows all things about you. You can't hide one little bitty thing from God. He knows you. 
So the first thing I'd say when you get up in the morning, just admit it. God, I'm glad you know me, even with all my pimples. Because I got a bunch of them in my life. Because God knows about you. Jesus knows all about my struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. That's right. Jesus knows all about that. How do we know that? Well, the writer here tells us in Psalms, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Janice uh, and Dean Ellis had a grand, their first grandbaby yesterday. I think it's like Connecticut or Maine or some way. Do anybody know exactly where that's at? It's way up there. Maryland. Maryland. Hey, I was close. They had their first grandbaby yesterday, and I've been visiting back and forth with them. And yesterday when I was hunting, that's all you think I do is hunt. But when I was hunting, just before I left the vehicle to go out to the stand, I got this text. Pray for her. She's going in for a C-section right now. So I paused for a moment, and I prayed, looking out one eye for the deer. But no, I I prayed. (laughs) I mean, you get your eyes closed too long, they can zip by you. I don't know where that came from. But anyway, so I texted her back and said, you bet, doing it right now, and I prayed for her. And uh, about 45 minutes later, she sent me a picture of this beautiful little baby boy. Happy, 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 I said. Happy, happy, happy. Praise God. Praise God. He knows everything about that little baby, and he knows everything about you. In John 10, 14, He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. I wrote this morning when I looked at this again, and I I thought to myself, you can know all about God but not know God. Do you know God, or do you only know all about God? See, you can read this and say, I know it all. I know all about God. But you may not know him one tittle. Do you know that? You see, I can study about somebody, a great actor or an actress, and I can study about some great sports person, and I can say, man, just ask me any question about. And, oh, I just riddle it off. Boy, I'm just, no, I know all about them. But if someone says, would you like to meet them? Changes the whole story, doesn't it? And that's the way some people are. They know all about Jesus, but they just don't know Jesus. And here he's telling you, he wants you to know him. He knows you. He just wants you to know him. If he knows everything there is about you and every hair on your head or every hair that you don't have on your head, and he does, what is it that you and how is it that you can come to know him? Not about him, but to know him. I am thankful that my God knows me, and I pray every day, that I'll get to know him a little bit better. Number two, I am thankful that God loves me. We talked about this on Wednesday night, so if you're here Wednesday night, just pay attention because it's not a repeat, but it's a little bit of a repeat because it's so important to understand this. Once again, it does sound elementary. It's something that we can throw up on the screen or something that we can do somewhere else and we can show this and show that, but the truth is God loves me. 
We're not talking about a boyfriend-girlfriend kind of love. We're not talking about a dad-brother-sister-mother-father-husband-wife kind of love. We're talking about the God, the creator of all living things that holds the universe in the palm of his hand, spun the earth and said, there you go. Loves you. Loves you. And all the yous in this room. That's why we're called sheep. You, you ever, when, when we were kids, we used to pick dandelions before we had these little things. We'd pick dandelions to find out if the girl loved us or not. We didn't go to some dating site. We went to a dandelion. Right? She loves me. She loves me not. She, that sounds funny to you, doesn't it, huh? That's the way we used to do it. She loves me. She loves me not. Anybody do that besides me? She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. And if you got to a she loves me not and you really wanted to love you, you counted the stem. And she loves me. Woo-hoo! But if you got to she loves me and she was ugly, you just went, woohoo! She loves me not. Because you set the stage. That's not the kind of God, God love. God doesn't say, he loves me, he loves me not. I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. You see that? He either loves you, he doesn't love you, and he already told you he loves you. How do we know he loves you? Because John 3.16 should be impressed on our heart deeply. I, I believe this verse can only come alive when you personalize it. I said that Wednesday night. It only comes alive when you personalize. If you don't personalize John 3.16, you can skip right over God's love for your life. I believe that with all my heart. If you read it, if you read it for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Very good. Thank you. I love that. God loves me. I'm moving on. But you can personalize it. You can simply say, for God so loved me. Starts to change things, doesn't it? For God so loved me that he gave his son for me, so that if I believe in him, I shall not perish, but I shall have eternal life. Is that changing a little bit? doesn't change God's word. It changes your mindset of what God said about you. He said, I love you so much that I was willing to give my son so that I could have you with me forever. That's a pretty awesome God. That's a pretty good love. It ain't a boyfriend, dandelion kind of love. You know, we used to sing this song a lot, and we always call this elementary as well, but remember, two plus two is very important in our lives. Jesus loves me, this I know. Do you know that? How do you know? We tell the little boys and girls in class, because the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Jesus loves me. He who died, he stretched his arms out and died for you and me. Heaven's gates to open wide. He has a home prepared for you and me. Oh, the mansions that he has prepared for us. He will wash away my sin. He wants to take all of your sin, not some of it, not a part of it, all of it. And wash it away. Let his little child come in. And then the next one says, Jesus loves me. He will stay. <laughs> he will stay. 
That's what we teach our little kids. Don't worry. Jesus is with you everywhere you go. And you tell that to a little three, four, five-year-old, and you know what they do? They believe it. They just believe it. Close beside me all the way. He's prepared a home for me. Hallelujah. And someday his face I'll see. Whatever. Sing it. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Not so childish after all, is it? It was never intended to be for children, but yet it was the children of God. Jeremiah 31 says he loves you with an everlasting love. An everlasting love. Isaiah 49 says he loves you so much that he engraved you on the palm of his hand. Wow. Jesus has tattoos, or God has tattoos. He's engraved your name there. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Once you discover real love, the God kind of love, you can begin to live your life in a whole new way. You know the problem with some people? They never find it. So many people in life are unhappy. You put them in a room and I can point them out. You ever see people that are just unhappy? They're just unhappy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's their birthday. <laughs> Getting old. Isn't that right? Man, I never understood that. Because, you know, you, and the reason why they're unhappy, I believe with all my heart, is because they have not found his love. I believe that. Oh, they say they have. But here's the, here's the clincher. Here's the one that I've discovered. They are trying to love him, but they forget to let him just love them. They're doing everything they can to show God that they, oh, wait, I just got to do, I better do, I better have, I better, it's this, it's this, it's that. Oh, we got to do, got to do, because he's going to, I got to show you I'm loving you. And all the while trying to do all of that, they forget to let God just love them. Have you forgotten along your way to let God just love you? To just love you? I remember the days when Don and I would travel back. You were so gracious to us all the years that we've been here to be able to travel back to Kentucky. Her parents live there and my parents live there. We would only get to see them probably twice a year and it really hurts my heart even thinking about it today, but Nonetheless, it was what it was, and I'm glad they all have a home in heaven now. But I, 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 I can recall like a Thanksgiving or a Christmas, and we head home. And, and, and we head out, and we get, you know, when we first head out, you know, it's about 900 miles or so, and when we first head out, you know, we're excited, but, you know, it's just a trip. You know, stop, take the dogs for a walk, you know, stop and get some, you know, beanie weenies or whatever, and then you got to move on in your trip. But you know that last 30 miles, 20 miles, you know what you start doing? I remember that place. I remember that place. I remember that place. 
I remember that place. And all the while, what you're doing real deep down inside, all of you that have family real close, you, you may not know this. But those of us who have family a long way away, you know it, don't you? And when we pulled in that driveway, oh my. Oh my. Couldn't wait. Couldn't wait to get out of the car. Had big smiles on her face. Couldn't wait to get that big mama hug. I just couldn't wait for my mom to wrap her arms around me and just, oh, I love you so much, son. You know what? I, 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 never, I never once wanted her to quit hugging me. For like 10 minutes, just hug me. Just love upon me. That's grown man. And some of us in this room would long for another hug from our mom today. Just letting her love you. And I believe that's what a lot of people miss in their life. It's just letting God love them. Because again, we take so much for granted. Every new day when you open your eyes in the morning, God's wanting to say, God's wanting to embrace you and just love you. It kind of happens when you meet that special someone in your life, you discover that they're the one that you want to spend the rest of your life with. They're just it. They're the one. That's it. Now, I love to counsel people before they get married. Did you hear that? Before they get married. I like counseling them. They are so in love that they just cannot explain why they're in love. I've been doing this for almost 30 years now, and I will tell you, I will ask people when I counsel them, why do you want to marry him? Why do you want to marry her? That's a pretty dumb question, don't you think? To them it might be, but to me it's not. This is what I normally get for an answer. The lady says, well, I just, he's just so great. He's so nice. He's so sweet, so kind. He opens a car door for me. He just, I, I don't know, I just, I, I just, he's just wonderful. I ask the guy, I say, why do you love her? She's hot. <laughs> oh. It's okay to laugh in church, isn't it? It's not, man, I better repent a lot. I think as Christians, we need to be reminded of our first love. Reminded of our first love and how it felt to know that God first loved me. That God first loved me. But what we want to do is we want to reverse that role somehow. Listen, you do not have to impress God to get Him to love you. You might do that on a date. You might do that to impress someone to get them to love you. You don't have to impress God for Him to love you. For if you think that in the beginning, you will have to continue to think that throughout your relationship with God. God loves you. He just loves you. While we were sinners. While the men were lepers. I think it's time for us once again to just love in Understand that he loves the unlovable. Maybe it's time that we rekindle that flame of love with him and realize he's not finished with me yet. I love that about God. 
You know, it's this agape love that Sam talked about in his class today. The agape love. It's not this uh, philo love. Philo is I love you, but I kind of like you. Charles, good to see you today. I philo you. I love you. I want to love you more. But, but for my wife, I love her. You know what that means? It just simply means that I love you on purpose. It doesn't matter if we, we have different agree, disagreements or, or little spats or my breath is bad. I still love you on purpose. I do it purposely. I choose to. And that's the love that God has for us. I think sometimes we need to be reminded of that. He still loves me as much as he ever did. Even with my bad breath. Now, I can kind of move in and out, as we said, but He loves me again with this everlasting love. He loves me right through my hurt, my pain, my struggle, my marriage struggles, my children's struggles, my financial troubles, my worldly troubles, my sicknesses. God loves you right through it. He doesn't stop loving you because you're sick. He loves you right through the storm. Feel His embrace. And so I would say today, a God love is worth fighting for. God is due a thank you for loving us. And finally, this one's quick. I'm thankful that he will never leave me. That's the one I love. I love them all, but I really love this one. Because a God promise cannot be broken. A God promise cannot be broken. He'll never leave me, he said. Said in the old and the new, Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Your, what is that saying? Your friends might leave you. Your spouse might leave you. Your job might leave you. Your dog might leave you. But God, He ain't leaving. That's agape. On purpose, I love you. Hmm. Why? Because He created me. He created you. He knows you, and He loves you. If that's true, Harley, someone's going to ask as I close. Where is He? Where in the world is He? Well, the great thing about that, He tells us. Here I am! Revelations. Here I am! I stand at the door and knock! So where is he? He's standing at your door and he is knocking. Where is he? Can't you hear the knock? And notice what he says. He said, I will come in and eat with that person and they will eat with me. What does that tell you this Thanksgiving season? To me, it tells me that God wants to have a Thanksgiving dinner with you. Do you ever think about that? That God wants to have a Thanksgiving dinner with you. But he wants to have one of those every day. Can you imagine sitting down with Jesus at the table at your house on Thanksgiving Day? I mean, just, just try to picture that a little bit if you could. Him sitting at the table with you. What's the conversation going to be like? You might have a thousand questions, but one of the things that might be going through your mind is, I sure hope he doesn't know this about me. Right? But the trouble is, he does. 
because he knows me. And so it's kind of awkward at first. And it's awkward because he's Jesus and you're you. And you know you, but more importantly, he knows you. And so he, he breaks the ice and says, I know your job's a hassle. I know your kids have the flu. Remember that song, don't you? I, I, I know your marriage. I know your wife's in there getting some more turkey, but I know your marriage is a little shaky. I know it's tough. I know the kids are just really, I know times are tough. But before he gets up from that table, I'm assuring you today that he's going to tell you this. Never forget, I know you, and I love you, and I'll always be with you. I don't know about you, but that Thanksgiving dinner with him is going to take on a whole new meaning. Well, that's precisely what he's trying to tell us today. But the key is for you to open the door. Just open the door. He says he's wanting to come in, so open the door. This is the problem. We don't want to open the door because if we open the door, we have to admit that he knows and he sees all of our struggles. It reminds me of the story of the, the, the man that had the dream, and he was dreaming that he was in his house, and he looked out in, in outside, and there was Jesus walking up the lane. And he looked around and he saw his house and it was a complete mess. It was just shambles. You ever been there? Don't come to our house right now because we're remodeling some things. And boy, oh boy. <laughs> but nonetheless, he looks around and it's just a mess. And so he's like really quick. He looks again and he's starting to throw. He's throwing stuff under the couch, under the couch. He's doing it, throwing a closet, everything in the closet he can. But the harder he works, he hears the steps of Jesus coming up the lane. And the harder he works, he realizes it's just a mess. He's trying to put dishes in the dishwasher, but it ain't working. Because the more he puts in, the more he finds. And all of a sudden, he hears. And he's like, I got to get this right. And he's just throwing stuff everywhere. But he realizes one thing. He can't do it. He can't get it all cleaned out or Jesus is going to leave. And so he opens the door. And he welcomes Jesus in. And when he turns around, the house is immaculate. That's why Jesus is knocking. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. That's how good our God is. So open the door. Jesus stands ready to help you in your moment of life your hurt, your pain, your sorrow, confusion, whatever it is, your brokenness. He stands with outstretched arms to embrace you today, to tell you those three elementary things, that I know you, I love you, and I'm here for the long haul. I'll never leave you. Maybe today you have a prayer request. Maybe today you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe today is your day that you would like to experience baptism like Mason did a few weeks ago. Whatever your need is, this is the time we sing a song just for you. So you come as together we stand and sing.